Hello and welcome to the Build with Clay podcast. I am your host, Clay Davis. This podcast is designed to introduce you to people from across the world who have one thing in common. They want to grow in their life and inspire others. You'll get a front row seat to hear about how they define their mindset and their purpose. We'll unearth their habits, their failures, and learnings throughout their journey. And this will allow you to take those habits, those failures, and those learnings and apply them to your personal growth journey, no matter where you're trying to build yourself and grow. This podcast is designed for you, so thank you for being here. Prepare to meet interesting people, hear fun stories, learn something new, and plan to leave inspired. On this episode, we build with Skip Lineberg. I met Skip through one of my mentors, Mark Bidgood. Mark knew Skip from their time at West Virginia University and knew Skip would be a great guest for the podcast. For the last few years, I've been subscribed to Skip's podcast and newsletter, and I'm certainly better for it. Skip learned business management and marketing at General Electric during the Jack Welch heydays. He parlayed that experience into the founding of marketing communications firm Maple Creative, where he led the firm as CEO and Chief Creative Officer from 2001 to 2010. He later served as Chief Innovation Officer at the law firm Spillman, Thomas & Battle. Skip also worked at Frontier Communications, serving as Solution Developer and Scrum Master. He presently works for CAMC as its Digital Strategy Manager. Skip is an Honors Program graduate of West Virginia University with a BS in Industrial Engineering, where he studied with Dr. Jack Bird from Episode 11 who remains his mentor to this day. Skip is co-author of the book, Effective Immediately, How to Fit In, Stand Out, and Move Up at Your First Real Job. Published by Random House in 2010, the book is in its third printing. He's also the founder and host of the popular show, The Main Thing Podcast. While podcasting is his passion, Skip's purpose is teaching. He views every role and opportunity from the perspective of a coach. He resides in Charleston, West Virginia, with his wife, Lisa, and two children. This was a super fun conversation. I got a lot out of it. And I have no doubt you, as a listener, will get to know Skip, his story, and a lot of advice along the way. Enjoy. Super excited to welcome Skip Lineberg to the Build with Clay podcast today. So we're going to build with Skip. Skip, welcome to the pod. Clay, I'm so excited for this, and I can't wait for this conversation. I was virtually introduced to you through Mark Bidgood, who's one of our mutual friends. You grew up with Mark in, in college and have known him for a long time. And I, I started my newsletter and Mark said, hey, I know a guy that does a newsletter and it's really good. Yeah. You should subscribe. And that was your newsletter, Skip. So we've got some mutual connections and that's why we're having a conversation today after a couple years of kind of knowing each other virtually and yeah. uh, having similarities, both having a podcast, both doing a newsletter, both working you know, full-time jobs, both being a dad. So we got a lot yeah. of, a lot in common here and excited to, to riff with you um, and learn a little bit more about your journey. So as with any guest, I subject you to some silly introductory questions <laughs> to get to know you. Sure. So we'll start, we'll start on. with the one I've, I've asked many guests. You're about to go on a road trip. You're going to sit okay. in the passenger seat for five hours with your family and you all are going to stop at the convenience store right before you leave. And you're going to get one drink and one snack. What are you going to get? Yeah, the drink is going to be uh, kind of a blended coffee. Uh, I go to the cappuccino machine. I get the vanilla cappuccino, fill it up about halfway, maybe 60%. Then I go over to the darkest, blackest, strongest coffee and uh, fill it up the rest of the way with black coffee. 
So that's my drink. And my, my snack is going to be, let's go with peanut M&Ms. Ooh, peanut M&Ms. I like to put those in the freezer. I'm a big chocolate, put chocolate in the freezer for a little bit. <laughs> Give me that little, I like little that. cold, cold, crisp, especially a thin mint. Oh yeah. Can't go wrong with that. All right. I agree. Would you rather sing in front of complete strangers or your closest friends? Actually, I've done the first one. I went to a weekend, like a three-day weekend uh, vocal workshop down in North Carolina in the Asheville area. And I had to sing. Uh, all of us had to sing in front of strangers. What was the reason you went to it? I, at church, I work in the worship team and I work in technology. I work in the booth. So I'm in, working with sound and lighting and screens. I had done that track, that learning track a couple years. And I was there again. And I'm like, I'm going for the vocal track because I felt like it would help me understand how to be a better support to our vocalists and musicians. And I've learned in life that it's good to put yourself in uncomfortable situations, like throw yourself into the deep end of the pool, the cold water, think that uh, you become comfortable with being uncomfortable. All right. Would you rather spend the day with your favorite athlete or your favorite movie star? Great question. That's a flip of a coin for me. Um, I'm going to go with movie star. Who would it be? Tom Hanks. Seems like a fun hang. I think so. I think so. And he's played some sports characters, so maybe we'll get a little bit of both there. There you go. Would you rather be a kid your whole life or an adult your whole life? Oh, gosh. (sighs) Can we just live life backwards? I would love, so I'm going to go with kid, even though that sort of defies like my life's purpose and the uh, mission of my podcast and the focus of my podcast. But uh, to be able to have the, the wonder, the, the naivete, the innocence of a child to, to be back in that, um, in that place in your cells of your body where summer seems like a decade long, you know, the 90 or hundred days of summer seem like forever. And uh, we don't feel like life's going 100 miles an hour. Uh, I think there's there's something to that and, and being surprised and, and uh, having that sense of wonder more frequently than than I do as an adult. So I'm going with live life as a child. I think I would too, if if forced to choose. Of course, I love a lot of what my adult life has has brought and what I've learned and everything. But I've noticed that I didn't realize this at the time when I was a kid, but how present kids are, how much in the moment and how present those kids are and how difficult that can be as an adult with all the stuff rattling in your brain. And yeah, seeing that joy, that wonderment that you talk about and just the, the curiosity from a kid is just unparalleled. It is. It is. I, I love that part that you added. Yeah. I, I think that's cool. We're both going for kid lifetime of, of being a child. <laughs> all right. Last one. Would you rather have 10 foot arms or 10 foot legs? <laughs> I'm going with legs. I'm going to say that uh, I could run really fast and I could reach, reach high things. I could make it easy to clean my downspouts in the house. Hard to find pants. You'd have to, uh, hard, you, I don't hard to know fit into a car. That. I was about to say, I don't, you're not driving anymore and you're probably not having the same house cause you need whatever, 14 <laughs> foot ceilings. <laughs> what a wonderful, silly question. You talked about being a kid. 
Right. Kids like gifts. They like Christmas. They wake up, they have the wonderment of Christmas. I think there was one one time where you got an unexpected gift at Christmas. Oh, I sure did. Yeah, it was the worst gift I'd ever received. Clay, I was 10 years old. And my grandparents, well, my paternal grandparents had come over uh, to during the holiday to exchange gifts and have our Christmas dinner. And the gifts were placed by the tree. And when it came time to hand out the gifts, they handed mine to me. It was this big, big, long, probably five foot long gift wrapped pretty plain paper with a, a single red ribbon around it and a long, straight, narrow package. And I'm thinking, oh, BB gun, um, hockey stick, baseball, too long for a baseball bat, lacrosse stick. I don't know. Like, Clay, what did you want when you were a 10 year old boy? Something sport equipment related. So Football I would have been helmets. like, is it a golf club? Is it? Yeah. Golf club. Yeah. Right. Something like that. Yeah. I wanted a GI Joe. I wanted a race car track. I wanted a football helmet. I think I wanted so, a Game Boy probably when I was 10. There you go. As the minutes went on, it was my turn to unwrap the gift and I unwrap it and it it's a broom. Clay, it's a it's a broom. <laughs> and I'm I'm so like dismayed, confused. Um, was I being punished? Was this broom like the proverbial lump of coal? You've been a bad boy and you're gonna get a lump of coal this year, skip. You little skip, you've been a bad boy. You're going to get a broom this year. It was a unpainted, like, uh, what would we call that? Like um, Amish broom, handmade, irregular, but it was a boy size broom. So that made it, that made it a little better. Uh, but still I was disappointed and I pouted now. I, like I'm 10 years old. I don't have the emotional maturity to just shake that off and put on my, put on my uh, professional face. So I'm, I'm pouting and like, I'm, I'm being ungrateful and I don't know how I would have not been at age 10, but my parents kind of changed the subject and, uh, maybe I went last and it was time to walk into the dining room and have Christmas dinner. So I was, I was off the hook, but you know, I couldn't understand why I got that broom as weeks went on and Christmas rolled into spring, uh, I took the broom down to the garage and I, I started to sweep and I, I learned how to use a broom, how to, how to pull this direction and push with the other one and how to move the dirt to a pile so that I could learn to sweep out the garage for dad. You know, that, that was kind of his, his place. I became useful around the house. I started to get praise for what I was doing learning to sweep. I got better and better. You know, Hey, you missed it. How about the corner skip? What? Oh yeah. Got it. Next time you got the whole garage swept out. You, you get the dustpan, you clean it up now. Hey, what about the front porch? I'm on it. I got my broom. I'm a good sweeper. Mom says, son, you're such a good sweeper with that broom. What do you, would you sweep the back, the deck out back off the, off the dining room? Sure. I'd be honored. You'd be proud to do that. So over time, you know, that, that, broom, which was the worst Christmas gift I ever got, began to give me a sense of value and pride. I just wonder if my my grandfather, and I know this was his doing because of his personality, I just wonder if he knew what he was doing. And I have to believe that he did, that he was taking 10-year-old Skip, who was chubby and, and shy and bookish and not confident at all, and was giving me a gift uh, that was strange 
but that would teach me the value of hard work. It would help me to learn how to have pride in my work, to find value and self-worth in myself. And I believe, I believe that's the takeaway because that broom taught me the value of hard work. It taught me the value of doing things the right way. It taught me to look for opportunities to be valuable to my family members. And so I take, I take away from that the less the learning that I just described. And also as now as I'm an adult, I, I think about gifts differently, Clay. I don't necessarily get my nieces and nephews or my younger siblings the thing that they say they want. I try to give a gift that has lasting value, like that broom did for 10-year-old Skip. I don't know. That's, to me, an important life lesson and chunk of wisdom is to strive and be mindful and intentional about giving gifts that have lasting value. All right, we're going to go into Skip is going to teach Clay how to do this because <laughs> my wife, if she's listening, which she's great about listening to my podcast, even though she has to hear my voice every single day anyway. So I don't know why she puts it in her earbuds, but she will listen to this and start thinking about gifts. And we have so many conversations about how mm-hmm. terrible of a gift giver I am. I just, <laughs> I, I am really, really good at giving experiences. I, I Okay. I, amazing at that. But if we're talking about a tangible material gift, those are things that I don't really want. So I just, it's hard for me. It it happens occasionally, right? Once in a blue moon, I think, oh, wow, this is perfect. This is exactly what this person should want. So how could someone like me go about (laughs) trying to figure out how or what gift can leave that type of lasting impact? Let's figure this out together. Number one, you have to have a close relationship. You have to know that person really well, not not just their interests, but maybe what their appetite for growth is and where where they're striving to get to. And how can you come alongside them with a gift that's going to do the next part of my answer would be that would involve some learning and discovery, something they haven't tried before. So as we're talking about this, a couple things come to mind. Maybe um, you're buying that person a hammock or a backpack so that you know that they want to be more active and they're not going to go to a gym, but maybe they're going to start hiking um, and maybe something, a walking stick. Let's go back to the big, long gift. Yeah. Maybe it's a walking stick. And this person gets that and says, this is weird. I wasn't thinking about a walking stick. And you you encourage them as a mentor to say, meet me Saturday, bring your walking stick. I'll bring mine. And we're going to go do something together. And you're going to learn something new and you're going to light a fire, a spark for a lifetime of hiking as a hobby and an activity. Okay. So understand that person, understand what their goals are. Yes. And think of Give a, a gift way that to involves... propel them that can propel them towards starting, jump starting that goal. Yeah. And back to my broom story, it involved a little bit of learning and mastery because I didn't know how to sweep yet. So I had to learn how to use the broom. Yeah. And so with the hammock, hey, how do I tie this hammock up? How do I pack it efficiently in my bag? Right. So another example, uh, we were out in San Diego visiting our California relatives that we saw twice a year. My uncle Dave, um, God rest his soul. He takes me downtown to San Diego to this running store. Running was not like a thing yet in America. It was like 
leading edge. It was just weird. Nike had just debuted like the year before. And there was this one running shoe store in San Diego. Long story short, my uncle bought me a pair of Nike Tailwind joggers. And I wasn't interested in jogging, didn't know anything about, neither did many Americans know this thing called jogging, but he did. And he was an early adopter, but he gave me a gift that had lasting value. I could point to my running shoes right over here. And uh, to this day, I go out for a jog three times a week. Um, And I think it honors him and it illustrates, in this case, it illustrates that lasting value. Yeah, it's a lasting impact. I I think this concept of a of a gift with lasting value, lasting impact is so important, especially in a world where, I mean, the easy thing, and I'm subject to this, especially with our kids and with other kids, is the easy thing is get you know go on Amazon or go to Target and what's the what's the random toy that, right. that we can just pick out, right? That's the easy thing. That's kind of the I mean, sometimes a cop out because you're not really putting thought and I, uh, I want to be more intentional about that. So thinking about it from a lasting impact and trying to put yourself in the shoes of, well, what is their goal? What are they trying to short-term, mid-term, long-term, and how can I give them that propulsion, maybe a little bit of, uh, of propulsion towards that, uh, in maybe a different way than, yeah. than what they're thinking. So and Clay, I think a book could be that thing. I wouldn't start with that. I would start with the weird object. It's not a book, but I think then you can come in behind with books that are going to take someone in a new direction. They're going to open up a part of their mind that they haven't uh, really tapped into before. So yeah. The Nike shoes that you got, did were they yeah. the waffle iron bottom? They were. They were. Yeah. I thought that was so cool reading about how those <laughs> how Nike got started and Shoe Dog was the book that, that Phil Knight, I guess was... Hmm. It must've been Phil Knight, the shoe dog talked about, and they talked about the start of Nike. And I recall vividly them making, you know, taking the rubber soles and putting them on a waffle iron. And that, you know, that was the the traction that the initial shoes got. Nike was about a year into the market. They had been on the market for about a year and uh, they had two models. The, the model that my uncle recommended for me, there was a gray one with darker gray and lighter gray on the stripe. And there was this other one that was optic yellow with a fire orange stripe. And which one do you think I wanted? The orange. Yeah, of course. Of course. (laughs) Uncle Dave put his arm around my shoulder and he saw, you know, which direction I was going. He said, Skip, uh, your mom's probably not going to be thrilled about this anyway. He's like, she's going to hate those yellow and orange. They're just, you know, they're, they're so just... (laughs) <laughs> so, so ugly. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like, would you do me a favor? And could you just, could you settle for the gray ones? I said, sure. I didn't want to be, you know, ungrateful. So we got the gray ones and, and off we went. The story about the broom, it made me think about a growth mindset. I mean, obviously I think about a growth mindset a lot with this podcast and a newsletter and everything, but yeah, kind of developing a growth mindset around, okay, well, how could I use this? You're flipping it around. You could have had a fixed mindset, which it sounds like maybe you did. Most 10 year olds do in some degrees is, oh, well, this is the worst. How am I ever going to use this? Well, then you kind of open the aperture and start thinking, well, oh, my dad really likes the garage. He probably likes it clean and I could go try it out. And, and you start expanding. So from that lens, how would you go about defining a growth mindset, Skip? A growth mindset would be someone who does something like this. Toward the beginning of the year, 
that person might spend reflective time looking back on the prior year to say what went well, what could have been improved. And so, you know, I'll open the curtain. I'm talking about myself and I have my journal here from January 15th of this year. And for the first time, the light bulb went off and I said, I'm going to spend two hours journaling about the mistakes that I made in 2022 that I can remember or I can find from my journals, from my calendars, from an email, you know, go into email and search for the, Hey, I'm sorry. You know, that phrase, uh, look at your, uh, look at your journal where you might've had big writing and something might've been underlined in red. Uh, anyway, I found, uh, I don't know, maybe 12 or 13 mistakes that I listed on this, on this page. And let me step out of that script for a moment. I think for most of my life, I've tried to erase or hide from my mistakes, try to forget them and pretend like I'm perfect. Okay. Let's just be real. But as I get older and maybe a little more wise um, and I'm more thoughtful and more mature and intentional, I own my mistakes. And this year I said, I'm going to dive headfirst into them and let's see what all we can learn. So just a couple examples on my website for my podcast, I, I got in there ham handedly deleted my net, my main menu navigation. So I've got a site with no navigation. <laughs> it's not much good. It was broken for like three months. I, I, I'm admitting that. Um, I was doing a fundraising project and I forgot to record the names of all the donors for this really important 20 year anniversary fundraising project. I no showed on a meeting with a friend on a Zoom. I didn't follow my podcast process with my guest onboarding. And I got a, a text from a guest and we were supposed to record in an hour. I hadn't done any prep with him. And it was so embarrassing. And obviously the, uh, the quality of the episode wasn't as good as it would have been otherwise had I followed my process. So those are just a few uh, lowlights from the mistakes that I made in 2022. And as I zoom out and I look, so, okay, I see some, I see some uh, process failures. I see some checklist failures or forgetting to follow. Those kind of go hand in hand, the process and the checklist. I see some calendaring errors, things that didn't get onto the calendar. And I see um, a big, for me, the big one that stood out and lit up was waiting too long to get help. There were two, there were two others on there where I just wrestled with something inside my mind, thinking I could think my way to a solution. And, and I stayed in the, what I call the futility of my mind. I'm trying to fix those navigation menus on the website, trying to figure out why a leaky tire on my sedan was leaking. And I, meanwhile, I filled it probably a hundred times at the nearby gas station last year, wasted all that time and effort. So that was a big one was waiting too long to see, seek help and spending too much time in the futility of my mind, instead of just stepping out of that situation and saying, who can help me solve this? And, and just raising my hand and reaching out for help sooner. So that's uh, to me, a growth mindset is, one who um, owns their mistakes, spends time looking at patterns from those and looks for opportunities for improvement. I think a growth mindset is someone who would hold on to the belief like I do that says, I am a work in progress. I don't know it all. 
I'm not perfect. I make mistakes, but those are learning opportunities. So I'm a lifelong learner and I am proud to have a beginner's mindset. Proud to have a beginner's mindset. That's a good one. I've not heard that before, but a beginner's mindset is, Hey, I, I know I don't know, Yes, but I'm willing to try. Yes. And that's extremely powerful in basically anything you do, but we are in often in scenarios in our life, in work as a parent, whatever, where you are sitting there thinking, well, I should be the expert here. Mm -hmm. I should know what to do in this situation. Yes. But something in my mind is telling me I don't, but I feel like I have to pretend that I do instead of just saying, I don't know, or how would you yeah. handle this? And or reaching it, out for some help. Yep. Yeah. So if, I want to probe a little bit because I, I really like this reflective nature, the, 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 the reflective time that you're putting in to this at the beginning of the year. So I want to probe a little bit on, on what you do there process-wise because mm -hmm. if there's a listener, I want them to understand, okay, what are the first couple of steps I should take? And then two, what next? Okay, you've, you, you have this, what next? So if we look at yeah. the first part of the process, beginning of January, you got your notepad, you're starting to, I love what you said, hey, like search my email for I'm sorry, sit there, think what are the things that I've messed up, maybe seek feedback would be my guess from you know a spouse or a friend or Definitely. When, have I, when have I messed up, remind me. Once you have, as you're reflecting on those things, as you're writing those things down, what are you doing next? Clay, I'm, I'm not dodging your question, but I'm a work in progress. And this is the first year that I've done this. I will do it again. Uh, I think you hit on the highlights between our conversation elements here, searching your sent email, looking at your calendar for uh, going back through your calendar, looking like not every single appointment that you had, but as you look at week by week, that will, that will uh, recalling and reliving those, those meetings, those events, those trips will open up parts of your memory. And as you begin to journal, the, you know, once I had three things on the page, I, I quickly opened up a part of my brain um, where all of a sudden I was in the flow of reflection. And I had 13. I started with the first three. They were a little slow and hard to come by. Once that part of your brain opens up, all of a sudden I'm at 13 and I'm like, huh, wow, okay. Um, I think the process of intentional reflection and recalling uh, it taps into a part of your brain that uh, it's beneath our, our conscious thinking. But once you open that up and you, uh, what did you say, open that aperture, more flows through. Yeah. That flow so state I'm is, still, is so important. So, and you, you just got to stick with it and then you get into that flow state. Yeah. I think as I, as I recall, uh, it was about a two hour period of reflection and searching and um, crawling back through the past year. All right. So you've got the 13, then what? Yeah. Um, what I did was I, um, I looked for, I looked at the verbs in those um, diverted, forgot, left, failed, no showed, didn't add to calendar. I'm looking at patterns. And I, so the one uh, we talked about was waiting too long to seek help. I think, I think we punctuated and double clicked on that one. The other one is the importance of the calendar. And this was for me, a reminder of something that I had learned. I want to say in 2021, one of my big focuses for personal growth was to 
make better use of my calendar because we can make to-do lists. And this is from research that I read. When we make something on a, on a to-do list, there's a 14% chance that we're going to do it. If we put it on our calendar either and put it on our calendar, or we put it on our calendar instead of a list, there's a 42% chance that that thing is going to get done. So we've tripled the likelihood that we're going to get that thing done that we've taken the time to write down that's important to us. So the calendaring and getting very proficient at calendaring and uh, being mindful of that was a focus for me in 2021. From the uh, list, the reflective list, uh, I let that slip a little bit in 2022. And so that became a reminder, a refresher that, hey, uh, your calendar is really important and you you ought to uh, be more thoughtful about it. So then it's taking the reflection, recognizing what what's the tactic that I need to alter or change. Yes. And then probably then it's a development of a habit to do that, right? Okay, I have it to do. I need to, my next, my habit should be, my trigger, my brain trigger should be, I need to go into the calendar and you know block the time out that's required for this task. And that way I have a, a 42% chance of getting this done instead of 14. Yeah. I'll take 42 yeah. over 14 all day and I'm not a betting man, but that sounds like a, a better proposition to me. Yeah. Clay, while we're on this topic, I wanted to, if I may recommend a book that was uh, very instrumental to me uh, and it's related to what we were just talking about. I discovered a book uh, probably early, early 2022 called the checklist manifesto. And it's by an author named Atul Gawande. Fabulous book. It talks about the um, the power of checklists and the the use of checklists in some very very um, high stakes situations, use cases, surgery suites, uh, cockpits of uh, fighter jets, command centers of aircraft carriers, that sort of thing. Checklists are how things. Uh, how high stakes things get done without failing. And uh, the book prompted me to create checklists for, I have one now for my podcast. There's a new episode checklist and it's start to finish everything that I'll do with an episode and a guest. And if I follow those steps, things go well. And if I don't follow those steps or if I skip one, if I don't attend to the checklist, important steps get missed and either the quality is not as good or someone is left wondering about something that they should have already been informed about. The other one I'm I'm working on, uh, the other one that I do is for my newsletter. And then another one that's a little more weird and not related to uh, our our content that we create, Clay, is, uh, is for hiking. And I have a backpack that I take when I go hiking um, and I'm for my family, the four of us go hiking a couple times a year and I'm like the chief safety and security officer. So I've got a checklist for what needs to go in that backpack so that no one gets uh, hurt, injured or dies out there uh, in the forest. I could spend an hour running around thinking about what should I put in the backpack? Or I could just open up that note on my iPhone, the checklist for the, for the hiking trip and I get 100% of the items in there that need to be in there. And it takes me about five minutes instead of an hour. So the book was The Checklist Manifesto. It was uh, written, uh, published in 2011 by Atul Gawande, who's a fabulous author. I highly recommend that book. Okay. Well, we'll make sure we put it in the show notes and 
you, I, I've used that sparingly, but I, as you're talking, I'm already thinking about times in my life or things that I do on a relatively routine basis that I should formalize that checklist instead of just trusting go. that it's in my brain. Go for it. All right. The other question I ask Skip to every guest is how would you define your purpose or your why in your life? Uh, my purpose is I'm a teacher and uh, Clay, I'm not a teacher. I'm an engineer and I'm a marketing guy. And now I work uh, in a hybrid role in healthcare IT, but my purpose is I'm a teacher. Um, and that takes the form of a coach, a mentor, a podcaster, um, a colleague, a parent. I, um, I didn't discover my purpose until age 35. I told you I'm a late bloomer, work in progress. Um, I was uh, invited to go up to Tom Peters, the business author. He had a summit that was sort of a focus group for his upcoming book called Reimagine. That book was uh, published in 2003. And he invited a group of 40 folks to come up and listen to his pitch in his presentation deck for the book. And he was going to go out on the speaking tour. People were going to pay him, you know, five, $10,000 a pop to come in and talk about bleeding edge, important revolutionary business thinking of how uh, businesses could be uh, reimagined. And so uh, I got invited as a plus one to uh, a business friend and uh, I got a phone call and said, Hey, Skip, I'd like uh, going up to Vermont to uh, Tom Peters thing uh, next month. And, uh, I, gosh, I get to bring a friend and would you like to go? <laughs> oh my gosh. Tom Peters is one of my favorite business thinkers. I've read every book he's ever written. And this, this call came in January. And so I said, yes, like before, before my buddy Rob could rethink and say, I'm not so sure. I was like a quick, yes, like, yes, Rob, what, what do we, what do I need to do? Um, what can I pay for? How, you know, how do we make this happen? Fast forward to February. We're on a plane heading up to Vermont. It's uh, wintertime. We land in this charming Vermont town of Bennington, where it's Tom Peters' hometown. Charming New England town. It's snowy. The streetlights are on. There's these 300-year-old buildings. It's just a, out of a picture postcard. And we dropped into a, a three-day weekend with Tom and these other these other 39 thought leaders. Um, I will not call myself that at the time, but uh, I, I was so I felt so lucky to be there and like. Uh, at that stage in my life, I didn't, didn't really belong there. That was just God smiling on me with a blessing. But how does this relate to my purpose? The travel day evening, when everyone was arriving and getting settled in and everyone stayed in the same uh, inn in downtown Bennington, Vermont, around 7 p.m., Tom had a mixer where we could come and get you know some uh, a light, light fare hors d'oeuvres and uh, have a glass of wine and a couple cubes of Swiss cheese and, you know, Chardonnay mix and mingle. We're, we're there doing that. And, uh, it's just a great group of people. And Tom steps to the middle of the room, clears his throat a couple times intentionally and taps on the wine glass and says, Hey folks, you know, he welcomes this warm welcome. And he's just so, so generous and humble. You know, I'm so glad you guys are here. Thanks for coming up to help me with this. And he says, 
for us to do what we need to do in the next two days, we need to get to know each other really well. And you need to know the perspective and the viewpoint that the person beside you is coming from so that you can continue the conversation and give intelligent feedback. And we can build on what each other are saying. Now, we'll have healthy debate, but it's really important that we understand to operate quickly as colleagues. So he said, I'm going to, I'm going to fast forward, accelerate that process. Here's what I'm going to do. And he points his arm around the room. We're basically lined up clay in, along the four walls of a big, a big great room in a circle. And he says, I'm going to, I'm going to start a, with a question over here. And this question is going to help each of us understand how we think, how we operate and why we're here. And so he said, Tom says, now here's the question. And it's, it's a rough one. And I apologize in advance. He said, what did God put you on this earth to do in this lifetime? What did God drop you into earth in this lifetime to do? Why did God put you here? And he started, Clay, evidence that there is a God. He started way opposite across the room from me, which meant I didn't have to go first. And I was going to have a little time to think because young 35-year-old, immature, skip, not highly evolved, uh, still in a, largely a caveman brain, hadn't thought about my purpose. So I'm I'm sweating, Clay. I'm nervous because I'm, I'm about to say I don't know or like just play be the fool because I really didn't know my purpose. Long story short, I'm sweating. I'm nervous. I'm thinking. I'm praying and thinking and hoping that I'm going to have something to say when the when the turn comes around to me. And it, it thank you, Lord, it did. It, it occurred to me, everything crystallized, and it occurred to me that I gave the answer I gave when it came around to me. Tom's, Tom pointed to me, and I said, Tom, God put me on this earth to be a teacher. And I continued. I said, I'm not, I didn't, I'm not an educator. I didn't study education in school. I'm not a classroom teacher. I, I teach athletes. At, I'm a business owner, so I'm mentoring young professionals. I teach at work in the classroom. I love with client work. I love to do training. I coach CrossFit athletes. And in all those roles, the things that the things that fill me up with joy, that fill my bucket where I'm most alive are all things where I'm teaching. And I said, that's my purpose. I'm a teacher. I help people get better at life, help people get unstuck, provide, provide welcome advice when it's welcome provide alternate perspectives and viewpoints, provide a caring, listening ear and shoulder when people uh, need to uh, talk and, and, and figure things out. And so that's, that's my purpose. My purpose is that I'm a teacher. You know, when you ask someone a question and they give you an answer and your first thought is, dang, I wish I would have come up with that. That happened when you told me your purpose. Cause I said, wow wow, the coaching, the mentoring, the teaching, yeah, that aligns a lot with where I get my joy, where my bucket is filled up to use your verbiage. And so when you just told me that, I said, wow, maybe I need to revisit my why. Now, my why is not too distant from yeah. what yours is. My why is to be there for and be there with others. Mm -hmm. But the teaching, the mentoring, the coaching, all that stuff, that, that fills me up. So I love your long way of saying I love your why. And Thank I think you. in the in the time that we've spent just on this podcast, you've been living your why. You've been teaching, you've been coaching, you've been you're sharing. 
And, uh, and I know it will continue throughout the podcast, but really cool to be with someone in the moment while they're living their why. Thank you. And I have to thank Tom Peters for that question. It changed my life, Clay. Uh, it, it, uh, forced me for the first time to land on and articulate my purpose. When you say something out loud, right? When you say it out loud in front of a group of people, it changes. You now have ownership over that. Exactly. Yeah. You, you are accountable to that's to that. You took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, um, the world needs lots of teachers and my, my purpose is not exclusive. I don't have a, I don't, it's not registered with the intellectual property office that please feel free. <laughs> well, I, I am a firm believer that our purpose evolves over time. And so weaving some of that verbiage in to my why over time may, may well be the case, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. But you talked about how that was kind of a seminal moment for you in your journey and how you started to think about, okay, how, do, how do I now become more accountable for my why and start? Yeah. We, it's, it's interesting. Cause when I, when I started really thinking is why I asked every guest this, because some people, they have the moments that you have skip where someone's asked that before they've put conscious thought into it. There's other guests and other people that are, that just haven't, they haven't been asked. They haven't had the time in their life to ask that question. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, four or five years ago, I started reading books about and think, and it was very evident. Okay, Clay, I need to really sit down and think about this. And it was interesting because once I got s- some decent clarity off of, off of what my why and my purpose is, it became extremely apparent what the things on my calendar or in my life that were not serving that why. Yeah. And and I'm, I'm, this is going to lead into what I, I'm curious, what your experience was and how your journey has evolved. And f- for me, it was it became super obvious, super clear what, what wasn't accomplishing my why and also what was accomplishing my why. And so then it became a pretty, not easy, but obvious thing to start realigning how I spent my time and my attention, how I calendared my, my life and our life as yeah. a family to start weaving in more of the things that served my purpose and saying no to, or starting to eliminate or reduce things that didn't. And that seems so obvious now, but I remember being, it being such a stark moment when I realized, oh my gosh, I'm only spending 10% of my days living my why. Why should that not be higher? Clay, as you were talking, I'm thinking about, uh, being in the, in the ocean. You like, a lot of families, maybe some of our listeners are on a beach trip or they're going to the beach this summer and they can uh, imagine with us for a moment, walking out into the waves and, and having some fun, you know, swimming and body surfing. Maybe you're on a raft. Uh, comes a time when you want to walk back into the beach, go back to the blanket or the umbrella. And have you ever walked in that you didn't know it on the way out, but on the way back, there's an undertow. And yep. you're trying to walk against that to get back to the shore. And it's extremely hard. Like you've got to lift your knees up higher. You've got to lean forward. If it's really strong, you've actually got to go kind of sideways or diagonal and, and aim away from the, the point that's directly across from where you want to go to get 
to your destination. I think that that just is a metaphor that would completely describe uh, what we're talking about in my experience with it. I think, you know, what I talk about is living along the vector of your purpose. And when you do, it's, it's a helpful current or, or it's, it's a tailwind that propels you. And when you don't, you feel the headwind or you feel that undertow that's working against you. And that's a signal, if you'll let it be, that, hey, I, I, need, to, I need to look and see if this is um, fulfilling my purpose, if this is getting me uh, where I want to be, and if this is uh, tapping into my highest and best self. And if it's not, you can, you know, you can quickly change your story and make a course correction. Yeah. And some of those things take time, right? Maybe you're in a job, maybe you're in a job that you realize, you know what, this is just not serving my purpose. And for most people, they can't the next day just quit their job. They have reasons why they have that job, mainly monetarily, I would bet. And so that may take time or thinking creatively, how could I align my job, my current role or my current job and spend the time in the job living my why or being more intentional about seeking those things out because there's probably not for everyone, but there's probably more autonomy than you think about how you can, how you can carve that out. And that stuff doesn't happen over time either, or excuse me, happen right away, but it happened. It can happen over time, but it's, it's living and deciding with intention that where that happens. And it's, I look back at my own personal journey and the four or five, six years ago when I really figured started to figure this out. Yeah. And how I was spending my time, it's just, it's vastly different than it is today. That's so cool. For your journey, as you 35 year old, you exit that conference, describe the next couple of years, how, how, what, what changed for Mm -hmm. you? Great question. Uh, I'll give you one example that's, I think, completely aligned with what we're talking about, Uh, being around articulating my purpose for the first time I said out loud, Hey, I'm a teacher. I like, I'm going to be coaching and helping others. And so when I got back from that conference, I had the idea and the confidence and the courage to uh, do more. I was a small business owner at the time and I owned a marketing and advertising firm. And I decided along with, and I recruited, I recruited some cohorts from our small company of about 10 people to open up a consulting practice And so with our clients, we weren't going to just be doing task work and selling our time. We were then going to become a provider of consulting services and ideas and teaching. So we were going to consult and teach and coach our clients to alter their course and change their business, elevate their brand, open up a new market. Uh, Prior to that conference, my focus in our business would have been real traditional and task oriented. And we would have been a bill by the hour model instead of a, a consulting model where we're going to take on a project for, let's say, a fixed price. And we're not even going to keep track of the hours. We're, the client's going to pay what it's worth instead of how many hours we spent on it. Hmm. Yeah, so you tailored it to your purpose. Yeah, consulting. Hadn't done it before that. After that, I'm like, yep, this is it. I'm going to go for it. And the 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 weekend with Tom and that whole experience and being around those authors and thought leaders and, and really smart entrepreneurs um, gave me a sense that I had everything I needed. Like I I could do this. It validated um, the idea that I could do it. It, it 
dissipated or, or dampened down some of the, the fears or doubts that I might have had prior to that experience. And another thing that you did was you wrote a book. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That was uh, probably started on the book two years after the, the, the Tom Peters Reimagined Summit. And one of my colleagues and I, uh, Emily Bennington, my, my dear friend, my lifelong friend of 30 years, uh, who at the time we had a mentor and protege relationship, uh, me being 20 years her senior, um, I had done a lot of teaching and coaching with Emily over a number of years. And, and one day she said, skip all this all these lessons you're teaching me and all these stories that you've told me and all these methods that you've shared with me ought not to go to waste. There are hundreds, if not thousands of other young professionals out there that need to know these things. And by the way, Clay, none of them were few, if any of them were uniquely mine. These were things that other mentors had paid forward to me and taught me and um, stories that I had uh, collected and preserved from others. But she said, you know, we ought to write a book. And I, I was like, I'm not sure I want to be, I'm not sure I'm an author. Now, Emily had a degree in English and communications, so she was a very strong partner. And, you know, she said, you, you know, you, you do what you do. And I let leave the writing and the, the, the uh, cosmeticizing and, and the, the paragraphs and the flow and transition statements to me. So we, uh, we set out to write a book and, and, and we did um, our book effective immediately uh, was published in 2010, but Clay, not before we had pitched our book with our book agent to 76 publishing houses, uh, summarily told us no. Uh, and the, back then it was a fax. You'd got a form letter that was a one page fax. And 76 of those rejection letters came in over the fax machine that was four doors down the hall for me. And someone would walk into my door during that period and they'd hold up a fax. I'm like, another one? They'd be like, yep, another rejection letter. I'm like, let me have that. We had a folder full of them that was 76 sheets tall before uh, we got a yes. And so we did end up publishing a book. Um, One more really cool detail to make a long story longer, but we signed with a tiny printing press called 10 Speed Press out of Berkeley, California in the San Francisco area. By the time we had our signed book deal and we finished the book and we edited the edit worked with an editor to finalize the book, uh, by the time it was published, they had gone, they had been acquired twice, uh, first by Crown Publishing and then Crown got bought by Random House. So we went from like the 140th largest publisher, which is almost to say the smallest publishing house, to Random House, which was the number one global largest publishing printing house in the world. So that was just a weird, uh, a weird turn of events there and a weird twist of fate. So, so I'm a random stuck house. stuck it to pub- all the, the other 76, including yeah. random house who probably was one of the rejection letters. No doubt. No doubt. But yeah. So, uh, today Emily and I can say that we're random house published authors That's and that neat. book was written to help people, teach people, coach people, inspire them, help them get unstuck, elevate their thinking, Um, and, uh, it's still, it's still out there today. It's, it's a great gift for college graduates because the book was written to fill in the gap between everything that your first boss on your first real job expects you to know when you show up on day one 
but that you did not learn in college. So this book, it fills that gap between those two, those two expectations or those two places. What's one example? One example is um, closing the loop. Young professionals coming out of college don't know that when they receive an assignment from a boss, they can do that assignment. Everyone knows they need to do that and get that done and, and probably do it fairly well. But you know what they forget to do or they never were taught to do? Tell the boss that that's done. Close the loop. It's so basic, but it's so true. <laughs> Close the loop. I made that mistake myself uh, last week and someone emailed me or, or sent me an instant message and say, hey, did you... Uh, did you guys get that webpage um, updated? And I was like, oh man, I, <laughs> I didn't close the loop. And I wrote back and I was like, we did. Here's the link. I'm so, I apologize for not closing the loop with you. Uh, I thought you were going to say that someone knew that you wrote a book and that included that. And they just sent you the link and said, hey, could you take your own advice here? Take your own <laughs> advice, right. They should have roasted me pretty good on that one. <laughs> Well, now, if for whatever reason, I think it's going to be doubtful, especially now that we're talking about it, that if you ever don't close the loop with me, all you're getting from me is an Amazon link or a link with the, <laughs> with the book. Fair enough, man. Uh, <laughs> and I'll deserve it if so. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely deserve that treatment. As your journey continues on, right? So now you've, you're a published author. You're, so you're living your why through that. You got the consulting business. So now you're teaching through your job. Right. And eventually you decide to start using other media like a newsletter and a podcast to do it. Yeah. So tell us a little yeah. bit about that uh, and, and why that started. Once I started writing, I realized that uh, I like to write. I like to express myself and I enjoyed creating content. I enjoyed, I, I'm a, I'm a creative professional. I, I, that's what I, uh, I do. That's part of who I am. But I also love getting feedback and I love hearing people's reactions, responses, even if it's not praiseworthy or positive. You know, I love to hear the feedback. That's part of the, the thrill of it, the, the joy of it for me. Um, at, before I launched the podcast, and I'll get to that quickly, but at Maple Creative, my marketing and uh, advertising firm, which became a professional services and consulting firm, we, uh, we got early into blogging and remember when blogging was a thing like circa 2004 to 2009 and we had Blogger and Blogspot and we had, you know, WordPress came along. Um, but we, we had a very thriving blog and, and uh, I probably had seven out of our 10 employees contributing to it. And we published something every day, one, one new blog post a day. Um, and that became, that became great, a uh, great way for our, for us to get our word out without paying to advertise. It became a way for people to discover us searching on relevant topics on content that we had published. Uh, we talked, you know, we talked about marketing challenges. We talked about branding. We talked about graphic design, those sorts of things. But uh, that was my, my next foray into content development. And then jumping ahead about, uh, five or six years, I was about to start a new job uh, in 2015. And my new boss contacts me in December of 2014. So this is this is pregame. This is before I started. And my former boss and, and dear friend, Rich O'Brien, 
So Skip, I'd like to uh, I'd like to ask you to join a meeting. I know this is a little bit uh, unorthodox, but uh, this is going to involve your first project. There's been a planning series leading up to this, and it's time to get you involved in uh, this new podcast. Clay, I kid you not, when he said the word podcast, I'd never heard the word before, had never heard of a podcast, thought about a podcast, certainly didn't know what one was. In as skillful of a way, careful of a way as I could, I I asked Rich some questions to figure out what this podcast was going to be. And he's like, oh yeah, you're going to be hosting our our business to business, our B2B talk show for our commercial division, talking about emerging technology, technology in the news, uh, new products that we're going to be launching. You're going to do customer spotlight. And this meeting I need you to join tomorrow, we're going to have the whole team in our New York ad agency who's going to be supporting you on there to get ready for to launch our first episode. And I'm mortified, Clay. So you know, like, I, you know, I knew I'd better start poking around and, and figure out what a podcast is, listen to a few and, and get up to speed and learn more about it. But we had the meeting, it was fine. But I got in 2015, you know, when I started in January with Frontier Communications, uh, my first project was to launch and host, moderate this uh, Frontier Gain Your Edge uh, podcast. And uh, I learned tons. I learned at light speed. I learned leaps and bounds. Uh, and we we launched our first episode in March. Um, Clay, for that first show, I kid you not, I read every word from a script, every uh, word, every response. Uh, there was I was so scripted. And if I want, like I can't, I, I should, but I can't bring myself to go back and listen to the episode one of Gain Your Edge podcast uh, because I was such a I was such a neophyte, such a beginner, and so scripted, but. From that, I learned over over four years, we published close to 70 shows. Uh, I became comfortable. I learned a lot. I became, I gained in skill. I invested in getting better at becoming a podcaster. And so that, that that's how I got into podcasting, uh, by being asked to join a meeting for a job that uh, I hadn't started yet and talking about a topic that I'd never heard of before. And so here we are, uh, eight years later, I'm still podcasting. A fun tidbit about your podcast. So, so Skip hosts the main thing podcast and you're at 92 episodes, I think. Yeah, exactly. Getting, Mm -hmm. getting close to triple digits here for your own podcast. Obviously you've hosted many others through the other, uh, podcasts you've, you've done through work. The fun thing is, so your first podcast, you hosted your friend, Andy. That was, that was who you had as your first podcast. And then in episode the main thing for the main thing. Yeah. Correct. Um, Episode one. So that was episode one was where you hosted Andy. Now in episode 36, you flipped the microphone and Andy interviewed you. Right. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because the first person that I ever had on my podcast was my friend named Jonathan Stokey. And in episode 25, we flipped the microphone and Stokey (laughs) interviewed me. I love it. Wow. That's, that's awesome. It's a fun exercise, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Flipping the microphone and putting the pressure on yourself on your own podcast. It was kind of weird at the beginning, but he did a great job, asked a lot of great questions and I got some good feedback on, on it. People enjoyed me being put on the hot seat. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, That's, that's so cool. I'm glad you shared that with me. 
didn't know we had that in common. Yeah, and I, our, the missions of our podcasts, if you think about Build With Clay and you think about the main thing, for you, it's unearthing wisdom, right? What's mm-hmm. the main thing? What's the main thing you've learned in your life? And you get that from each guest. And they're right. eight, nine minutes long, very short, very consumable, and... Snackable content. Exactly. And I, I think that that's absolutely needed. And so I've gone different, obviously, because we're have been talking for close to an hour here on on the Build With Clay podcast. And I tend to try to go deeper to unearth a very similar wisdom, try to unearth habits and try to understand you know how people define their why and their growth mindset and what their journey is. All I'm saying here, Skip, is that you do it way more efficiently than I do. <laughs> I know. I love your show. Uh, I occasionally, uh, I'll publish a longer episode. We call those the whole thing instead of the main thing. And they tend to be 30 minutes long, but, uh, I love, I love your show. I love the, the focus on personal growth and building and, uh, everything that goes with that and how people, um, how people are mastering that, how they're approaching it. Cause I learn something, uh, every single time I listen, uh, to you and your guests. What's the main thing you've learned from a guest in your podcast? I learned from each, each of my wise guests uh, so much. Uh, in fact, I have a, a phrase for it. Um, it's kind of scriptural. It's from, it's from the Bible, but uh, I get the first fruits of the harvest. And I get the, before my listeners hear it and they can learn from it, I get the first squeeze of those grapes and the first juice of the harvest. Um, Virtually every single time, I'll, I'll give you one. I'll give you one story that um, exemplifies that. Clay, I was uh, having Dr. Rob Carter on as a guest, and his his main thing was, don't be swayed by the opinion of others. Don't let them make a football of your emotions. And <clears throat> I was just getting to know Dr. Rob Carter. Uh, he didn't know this, but I, in high school, I was a football player. I was a quarterback of my high school football team and, and being an athlete was a big part of my identity. So it was uncanny that he mentioned, uh, allowing yourself to be a football of others' opinions. Uh, and he didn't also didn't know that, uh, one of my, one of my lifelong struggles that I, I will always uh, be mindful of and will always be working to guard against is allowing myself to be too affected by, uh, others' opinions being a people pleaser, seeking attention or praise uh, is something that, uh, you know, is just an, can be an Achilles heel for me. So for him to hit those two things uh, with his main thing, and I thought, is this for the audience or is this for me? Have you ever had a similar experience where something hits you? The timing is, I'm wrestling with this. I'm struggling with this. The guest says it in a way that, that, makes the hair stand up on your, on your neck or your arms. And you're going, this, this is uncanny. It happens a lot. And I, <laughs> and what's fascinating, I love that you said that I, you know, I get to reap the benefits first. And I think mm-hmm. that that's so true. Cause I actually, I reap the benefits live as we're talking live. I reap the benefits as I'm listening when I'm doing the, the editing of the podcast. Sure. And so I kind of, and what's fascinating is that I'll get something from someone from a podcast and I'll talk to someone else and, and they'll say, Oh, I didn't even hear them. I didn't even synthesize that. I didn't even think that they said something <laughs> about that, but uh, what I got from them was something completely different. And for me, even though I, 
heard them talk two separate times because I edited it and I listened to it live. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I totally forgot that they talked about that. Like it just didn't yeah. hit me in the same in that in the same way. And so it's so fascinating. It's and it's one of the reasons why I like doing longer form, even because there's more nuggets. However, I'd recognize that it also eliminates listeners because some people sure. just only have 10 minutes. They only have 25 minutes, whatever it is. It, it's just so funny. You're right. How it, it just hits people at different times, no matter yeah. what, whatever's going on. And I love those moments. And I, and I think that they, they're those impact, like impactful gifts. Those are impactful moments and you have, but you have yes. to, I think it's something changes in your brain, but I think it's so important to write down or journal or however you, you do mm. that, like, spend time that day, that hour, that minute, whenever that inspiration hits and write it down because it can go away too. Yeah. hundred percent agree. That's so important. So from a, so you talked about the podcast, you also got the newsletter and you and I could probably riff on, you know, creation of content and newsletters and building email lists and all sorts of things that may <sighs> or may not bore the listener. But, um, I, 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 I have so much to learn from you. Your newsletter is awesome. It's one of the best things that hits my inbox. Uh, the way that you provide just the right amount of content, the things that you touch on, the frequency, the the form or template that it comes in, uh, it just it, it's so well done. And I'm I'm watching what you're doing. I'm learning from what you're putting out uh, on on your newsletter, especially. I love your podcast, but to me, your newsletter is it's just off the charts, sensationally good. That's very kind of you, Skip, and I'll I'll put it right back with you. And we're gonna ha we're gonna make sure that we link the the podcast, your newsletter, uh, you know, the book that you've written. I mean, all all that stuff is such great content that you put out, and it's fun to be Thank it's you. fun to be learning back and forth on on stuff like this. What's the main thing that you've learned about creating when you're about creating, whether it's the podcast or the newsletter? I thought you were going to ask me my question, which what, you know, what's the main thing you've learned in your lifetime so far? And I, I've said, I'll say this to you and all your listeners. If you ever hear me answer that question, that's me jumping the shark and the whole thing goes dark after that. <laughs> but I will answer your question. Um, as far as being a creator, it is to put stuff out, be deaf and blind to how many clicks it gets. If someone hit the call to action that you, uh, that you, that you wanted them to the, and, and in your, like your newsletter subscribers, the one that you think will won't, and the ones that you think never will do. And it's always a surprise. It'll never make sense. I can't, I can't get disappointed or deterred by open rates and click rates because as I'm learning nowadays, those things are skewed by technology and automated systems anyway. And so if I could reduce that to a fine point is just hit send, put stuff out regularly. Don't be fearful about it. Don't be apprehensive. Just keep publishing. Just keep publishing. It's like Dory. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. <laughs> it is. It is. It's so true. Have you read the book Tribe? Oh, is that Seth Godin's book? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that book. I, so I, I think over here, uh, arm's reach. Yeah, there you go. I bring it up and I haven't even read it, but I've talked to many people about it. And so I feel like I've, <laughs> I've read it and synthesized a decent amount of the content. 
I've, I think about that book a lot. I was talking to a buddy of mine, Richard Shore, who um, he and I talk about this stuff a lot. And he, he mentioned how you just got to just do stuff for the tribe and don't worry mm-hmm. about anything else. Right? Be, and and yeah. what that, for me, how I synthesize that is just be true to yourself. Right. I, I found myself Absolutely. early on when I was putting content out, right. It was already awkward anyways, because I don't like the spotlight on me. I like to put the spotlight on others just naturally. Mm-hmm. And so by putting my name out there, by putting content that I'm creating, I'm forcing myself. I feel like I'm forcing myself on others, which is a unnatural thing for me. So I had to get over that. I get it. I get that. But then I had to get over probably in the first 10, 15 newsletters, I was that I was writing, you know, I'd write something, I'd backspace it and think, oh, there, there may be some people that maybe wouldn't like that. But if it was what I felt or what I felt that should be out there or that some people could get value from, and it's not, you know, crazy inflammatory or, you know, <laughs> whatever, which I don't think Divisive. I have any of that, right? That I don't yeah. really have any of that content that I'm aware of. Just don't backspace it. Like put it out there. It's, it's okay. Yeah. And it, and, it, and what it does is it speaks to it, what the intention is. It speaks to your tribe, right? If it's one person, if it's five people, if it's a million people, whatever, but you go strengthen that tribe by just being yourself, being who you are, sharing the, the tidbits and the things that you want to share and you develop whoever your tribe is. And if you just like, think about that, you think about just being truly authentic and genuine to yourself. I've had to, and I have to keep reminding myself over and over and over to do that because like you, it sounds like I'm a people pleaser and I almost have to not be a people pleaser. Of course, still be thoughtful about what I put out there, but, but don't try to please everyone. Yeah. I love that. That's so great for me to hear that. Thank you for for sharing. That's, that's, that's under the hood. That's, you know, under the vest. And I, I just appreciate you sharing that with me because that's encouraging and something I needed to hear. I have about a hundred other questions I could ask you, but we are at our time. So I'm going to pause, hit the pause button and, uh, and just thank you for the time. Thank you for the vulnerability today. Thank you for sharing your wisdom, for living your why on this podcast. I, I, the stories you've told, the wisdom you've shared has been amazing. And I'm just grateful that you spent the time to think through a lot of this prior to having the conversation. I can tell that you put a lot of thought into to the answers you provided today and, and the thoughts you've shared. And so I'm just, I'm grateful for your time. I'm grateful for you spending it and for sharing it. And I have no doubt that a listener today is inspired to grow in some different way because of what you've shared. So I want to thank you for being on. And, uh, and today we've built with Skip Lindenberg. Skip, thanks for being on. You've made it so easy, Clay. This was such a, just a enjoyable, effortless conversation, uh, which is a testament to your skill as a host. And, uh, and I think our shared passion for learning personal growth wisdom. So it's been an honor and a pleasure. Hey listener, it's Clay. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Build with Clay podcast. I encourage you to subscribe wherever you listen so you can discover all the episodes and hear from others about their growth journey. If you know me at all, you know that I love feedback. So please rate the episode and provide your comments so I can grow and be better for you and our guests. 
For more content, you can find Build With Clay on Instagram at buildwithclay and head to claydavis.substack.com where you can sign up for a bi-weekly newsletter sent directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're inspired to grow.